Kia ora koutou, ko brai I'm from the LUMO team and I'm delighted to welcome you all to this panel on the new energy narrative. This topic is close to my heart as it is a key focus for the Energy Academy as we look to develop the capability for the energy sector. The energy sector is critical to a positive future for Aotearoa. However, we could be doing more to highlight energy's important role. Just a quick intro to LUMO for those who have just joined us. LUMO Energy Reimagined is the Energy Academy's platform to explore the big ideas facing energy. We started LUMO because we saw an opportunity to create a platform to bring the ideas of the edge of the sector to the forefront. LUMO includes events like this one today, workshops and a series of podcasts which you can access wherever you get yours. A big thank you to our partners at Orion, Genesis, Araake, Ike, Christchurch NZ, MSD and Ada Institute of Canterbury for supporting us in making LUMO happen. This talk is part of our Energy's Future Story theme brought to you by our partners at Genesis. Which brings us to Nicola Richardson, Chief People Officer at Genesis and facilitator of today's panel. At Genesis, Nicola is responsible for the people and culture focus, including recruitment, talent development, cultural change, Agile, property, and procurement. Nicola's leadership focuses on creating a high performing and thriving culture that embraces empowerment, inclusion, and well being. Nicola has a passion for preparing for the future, leading organizations to be adaptive, to remain relevant, and guiding future generations of talent on how to be good humans and make a difference. Nicola, I'll hand things over to you. Thank you so much. Uh, kia ora koutou. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And again, just thank you. Um, thank you to LUMO. Thank you to the Energy Academy um, for making today happen. I know there's lots of people behind this. Uh, what great resilience um, to push it through because it's such an important experience for us all have here today. So thank you. Um, and thank to all the participants that have turned up today because without you, um, this wouldn't happen. Um, it's my pleasure to facilitate this discussion over the next 50 minutes uh, with an awesome panelist. You've got an awesome panel today, everybody. Um, such diverse views, such great experience and different voices. Um, but what I love about the panel today is that they're here because whilst they may be different in their thought and experiences, what they have is a common thread to understand, identify the common challenges that we all have now across the energy sector and we're willing to get willing to work together to find out a solution and a pathway moving forward. So very opportunity um, focused. And that's about the new energy narrative. Now, of course, if I was to ask all of you today, including the panelists, um, what is our energy narrative today? Um, why do we think or why do you think it needs to change and what could it be or what it should be for the future? I'm pretty sure everybody will have a different viewpoint. And that's what's so brilliant about today is that we can bring those viewpoints together and start working on the opportunity and what the new narrative is for, for energy moving forward. Um, so your, your speakers are going to speak for a wee while together with me. And then you guys are going to do some mahi as well. So we're actually going to pop you into breakout groups um, partway through the session today to get you talking and speaking with each other and then we'd love to get your voices back in as well um, and uh, hopefully we can all work, move forward with uh, we've learned from each other and we can all build on the opportunity to take forward 
So um, let me introduce to you um, your amazing um, panel today. So I'm going to start off with Kate, Kate Tipler. So welcome, Kate. It's lovely to have you here today. Um, so Kate is actually a secondary school um, student. Uh, she's actually the same age as uh, my, my two girls as well. And I've already said to Kate, even just showing up here today, I think is an amazing impact. So Karpai, and thank you so much for being here today. So Kate is the co-director of Make It um, 16. Now, some of you may have been across this already, but it's wonderful to learn. It's a specific campaign advocating for more people's rights in voting and really trying to bring the voting age down to the grand old age of 16, um, which is super important because your voice today, Kate, is a voice of a generation that needs to shape the future. Um, so uh, good to hear about the campaign. I'll certainly get behind it. Passionate also about human rights, um, youth MP in the two, 2022 Youth Parliament representing MP Galway's government, um, which is fantastic. We all know her as an absolute strong activist for electoral reform. So um, great to have you here, Kate. Great to have your voice. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to move on to Jeff Curtis. Um, Jeff, welcome. Um, so Jeff is a, a senior member in the industry partner teams at the Ministry of Social Development. So what that means is he's in a, an amazing opportunity to create alliances and collaborations across industries to look for opportunities where we have to really think about the skills and the labor that we need moving forward. So he's absolutely focused on growing sustainability, um, creating economic development um, initiatives, really strong in EWE collaboration. So it brings a wealth of experience to say if we have a gap um, and we want to change our new energy narrative, um, then Jeff's the, the type of talent that we need to help make that happen. So great to have you here today, Jeff. And that's going to lead me on to um, Angela Ogie. So Angela is an absolute authority in the energy market. So 20 years um, experience across um, strategy, economic assistant, is an associate director today of EY's infrastructure. Um, but I'm really looking forward to, to hearing from you today, Angela, um, because you're already leading out uh, practices and leading studies on hydrogen and the decarbonisation of energy systems. So, wow, um, you'll be across a lot of what we're talking here today, and I'm sure you'll set some challenges for us. Um, so lovely to have you all here today. Um, so I'm going to um, kick us off. There will be a chance for you to uh, participants for you to join us in the conversation that will be a little bit later on. Let's just spend the time listening absorbing from our great panelists today. So I'm going to kick us off. So um, I've talked to the Energy Academy for some time now about my passion for a new energy narrative and why is that? So there is no doubt that the energy sector is in and will continue to be in for some time now its largest energy transition. Um, and I love the way that the sector, together with government and regulators, are calling out that we need a cohesive strategy that's going to move us towards a truly renewable future. I mean, we're doing pretty good here in New Zealand in terms of our renewable st statistics compared with other countries, but there is still work to be done. And we need a cohesive strategy in order to do that safely, but also in an economic way for all the consumers of energy. Um, and whilst we do that, at the same time, from my point of view and, and, and a shared view to of the panelists is that we need the same cohesive strategy on the outlook of the capabilities and skills and needs that we need as a sector in order for us to think about that future but also execute and get us and transition to that future. One of the things I've shared um, with the guys here today is that when I was in Wellington last year um, 
uh, I was privy and I had the privilege of meeting a lot of people that design the energy market of today. Um, and let's just say I would look forward to having some more diversity of thought in that group as we design the energy market of the future. Because it was the same energy designers from 20 years ago when the market was first designed, they're all just a bit older. So what we need is a true call out of diversity of thought and new talent into the energy sector to not only uh, to, dream, to dream our future with us. And I'll go a little bit further on that to say um, I can talk with that with some authority because the the um, some of us in the energy sector commissioned a report in 2021 where we asked to get an in-depth understanding of what young people thought about the energy sector <laughs> where does it fit as a workshop work option so if I was to give you a, a scale of one to ten where you've got technology business consulting at the top and agriculture near the bottom with infrastructure uh, you probably have a good guess of where we would stand um, and where we ranked is just um, ninth out of 11 sectors in terms of consideration and attractiveness as a sector to work for with young persons. Um, what was good for, and we just we just nipped above um, agriculture. And what that spoke to me is that, my goodness, we're going to get left behind here if we don't do something differently to attract the right capabilities and to help us. Um, it was good that the feedback told us that we're important and essential, which is great because we know we are as energy, but we're also quite mundane, we're quite boring, um, male dominated and we're unsafe. So we've got to change that narrative. Um, so some big insights and unsurprisingly, we've got some challenges, but uh, we do have the opportunity to move forward. So we do need to lift our consideration of the sector. Uh, we must have diversity of thought to design a better and more sustainable future for us. And of course, my big question is how best do we do this? So I'm gonna pass this over now. So Angela, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand to you. Um, so from your perspective, I'd love to hear from you from a couple of minutes. So when you think about the energy narrative, um, either you've already got the narrative in your mind for us for the future, or you may want to give us some challenges and context as to what it needs to be moving forward. Over to you. So thanks you, thank you so much. No Tamaki Mokoro here a ho, ko Kwakwakahaere Hydrogen Energy Transition uh, Imahana, tēnā koutou katoa. So thank you for that. I, I think you've given us a really good um, start off to the to the corridor today. Uh, the biggest thing in our um, in our sector at the moment is transition, and that's transition away from fossil fuels. And there's there are very few people who are uh, do not agree with that as as our main mahi and that we must apply ourselves to, and it's a massive challenge. So we talk, we've talked about the fact that we've you know Nick called that out that we've got um, eighty five percent renewable electricity and that's fabulous. That's much better than a lot of other countries. However, we have sixty percent of our energy supply still from fossil fuels, and that is in a lot of the challenges are in. Um, EVs, uh, sorry, in transport, so shifting to EVs and shifting to hydrogen and for heavy transport and in um, high temperature process heat. And that's really going to drive a lot of the emissions. The other thing that's happening is a shift. So that, that's your decarbonisation. And then the other trends that we're seeing is around digitalisation. So moving online with your energy services, decentralisation. So the um, that's your the impact of your um, home batteries and solar and um, democratization. Because once you have a solar panel at home, 
it means that you as a consumer can engage more in the energy sector. And that's a really interesting trend because what we're going from is a situation that we have currently where you've got large, big pieces of infrastructure, uh, such as the hydro lakes down the South Island or the oil wells and, and gas wells that we have in Taranaki to a, where they're highly centralized and concentrated in one place, owned by large companies, to these energy assets being much more distributed across the country. And that creates huge opportunities both for um, consumers and for businesses to really change what they're doing. And it creates really big challenges for our businesses because our businesses and our energy sector at the moment is geared up for that one-way flow, that big to small, getting the electrons from Manapuri up to Auckland, getting the gas from Taranaki up to, um, used to be Marston Point before it closed, but you know to the extremities of the gas network. Now we've got to change. Now we're getting a little bit of electron from your roof and a little bit of biogas from here and a little bit of hydrogen from here. And that, that creates a load of you know, thousands and thousands of energy sources, but it creates consumer power because I've, I can interact with that. So I can actually trade some of the electrons that are generated on my roof and perhaps give it to a family that's down the road that's in energy hardship. Wouldn't that be awesome? So if we can create those digital trading platforms that allow us to give those electrons away or sell them into the market at times when, it, when price is high, that's a huge revolution. And that creates a difference in customer focus for our businesses. And you can see it, businesses like Genesis, and I'm not, I'm not calling out Genesis because Nick's here. I'm, I'm calling out Genesis because they have been leading some of the space with their Energy IQ app that allows you actually to monitor um, your energy usage and you know electric kiwi and some of the other um, the other uh, retailers have similar kind of offerings but that's empowering for consumers and that creates a different customer focus and so the skills that are required for that job it's no longer just the big engineering brains that that Nick's been talking about who designed and the intricacies of the of the electricity market to be absolutely perfect We've got to actually have the humans at the center of this. We've got to design this for customers that can actually talk back. Uh, and we've got to have a two-way dialogue and be, a, be able to, to fail an experiment as we go along because this is a much more complicated system, um, situation that we've ever been in. It's a wicked problem. And we know that we need to have all of our skills um, drawn to this. So I'm seeing a huge challenge that would attract anyone to this industry. And I'm hoping you're hearing the, the excitement in my voice. But that theme of big to small and democratization and putting humans at the center of our energy system, that's what I think our new energy narrative needs to be about. Oh, fantastic. I feel absolutely inspired by that. Thank you so much, Angela. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, I was nodding all the way through. I'm sure a few, few, few listeners today uh, were resonating there. And I think you've given us a few tidbits to come back to. But I'm going to gonna, um, bring Kate into the conversation now. So Kate, love to hear from you now around the new energy narrative in your words. Kia ora. Um, yeah, so I think, so as mentioned in my introduction, I'm the co-director of the Make It 16 campaign. And specifically, we're about lowering the voting age to 16, but also generally, we're working to engage more young people in our democracy and decision-making processes across different industries, not just government. So I think what Angela spoke about really resonated with me as a young person and young people generally. Um, obviously I can bring my own perspective into this conversation, but young people are not a monolithic group. 
And I do have the privilege of being able to speak with young people across different backgrounds on the issues that matter to them. And it's really cool to hear already on the call that you're kind of already nailing it. Um, you've spoken to young people, you know what young people want. But what I found as well is that young people are looking for careers with companies who care about climate action. Climate change is obviously the biggest challenge of our generation. So I think continuing to push in, in a direction of climate action is what will engage young people in the industry and what will ultimately create better outcomes for young people. So that's what I see as being the new energy narrative. Um, you also mentioned that we could challenge people on the call today. And if I was to put out a challenge to those listening right now, I would say don't be afraid to engage young people right now. So lots of older people who I speak to say they're keen to have more young people involved, but aren't really sure how to involve young people or are keen to have more young people involved, maybe when they've gone some more life experiences or in a couple years time, or they just don't see young people wanting to engage with the industry. From what, from what I've seen from the young people I've spoken to, young people are keen to get engaged now. We're just not given the opportunities to. So I'd challenge you to put out more opportunities for young people to get engaged in your businesses. I recently read an article about the power of bringing young people into the boardroom and having younger people on boards and not just older people. I think that would be a great way um, to invest in a new energy narrative. It would be a great way to lead climate action in your companies and, and be on the forefront of those general changes. And I think it would be a great fit energy specifically as an industry who needs to be thinking long-term. Don't wait to engage young people, engage young people today. They don't just have to follow decisions, but they can be making those decisions themselves. Amazing, Kate. Oh my goodness, I have so much, so many questions. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come back to you. I'm gonna come back to you. We're gonna take that challenge on today. Um, Jeff, let's bring you in. Let's hear from you. Same question. Kia ora, everybody. I'm going to build on some of what Kate said, um, which is, sort of speaks to me really strongly. Um, I'm not an energy person, so I have a real workforce um, kind of perspective that I'm going to hopefully share with you. Mm. Um, we, we partner and work really closely with uh, employers and sectors, and it's all about um, trying to think more strategically to engage with the labour market and bring people in. Um, in this labour market, it's, it is a bit of a zero-sum game, so we have to, have to tell people stories that bring them in and that, that kind of get them fired up. So my challenge to you probably builds on, on Kate's challenge, which is how do we create a narrative that um, has broad appeal and especially has broad appeal to what we might think of as like the base of the pyramid and not just university grads and skilled migrants and people like that, um, so that we can build depth and, and strengthen the, the kind of productivity of our, of our workforce and bring those people through who will be the leaders in this sector, you know, 10 years down the track. Um, so I'm going to give you a few examples of what this looks like in our work. And it, it's all, for us, it is all about narrative. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to get into that. Um, sustainability, I have a little portfolio of sustainability that I really like. Um, and it, it's something a little bit different. Um, one of the real challenges for us at MSD is um, that a lot of the jobs that are available for people who are low skilled or a little bit disconnected from the labor market is that the jobs are not very good jobs. They're not very attractive. Um, and there's really very little said in the way of values alignment or reasons why that person might want to feel like they belong there. So we um, work with industries that uh, kind of have that story to tell. So I've got a cool example here. Um, and, and really, we find that we're getting much better engagement with our job seekers. Um, we're able to position jobs that um, 
you know, it might be this, a similar role, but it has a lot more meaning for the person and it, and it brings new people in. So I think that is really important to this conversation. Um, so one of, the, one of the really good pilots we've had is Lightforce. And I see a few Lightforce people here. Hi, Jack. Um, Lightforce is a great uh, solar company that's growing out of, out of Auckland, but nationwide. Um, and they have a really good employer brand. And I think, I think that's about the brand of the sector, um, illustrating that um, it's the identity and narrative of the sector it needs to be something that lots of people can get involved with and not just a small number of people um, and the idea around how this type of work has impact in society um, and how that can kind of strengthen the, the industry overall. Um, when we compare this, the solar sector to other electrical trades, the skills aren't actually that different but the thinking behind it is really different and the, the stories you can tell are really different. I think that's something that you should kind of put a pin in uh, and think about that across the whole sector. Like um, what's different here? What is, the, what is the contribution someone can make by being part of the sector? Um, and the, the kind of theme of my talk, I guess, is identity. Um, to people, are people gonna believe that people like them can thrive here? And how can you kind of weave that in? Um, the, other, the other groups that I work with really closely are iwi, um, so a little bit about um, cultural and value appeal. I think, I think there's a real sustainability link with the Te Aua Māori worldview that, that can really be tapped into. Um, we, with industry partnerships, we work with um, a lot of projects around the country, aquaculture, tourism, conservation, um, and we're supporting our partners as they develop narratives that kind of align with what local people or the people that they work with care about. Um, you know, and this, this is stuff I think that speaks to the decentralization of the grid, um, self-sufficiency, caring for the land, making a better world for the next generation, um, changing things so that they're better. Um, you know, that's, that's an authentic, authentic narrative um, that can speak to deeper values. And I think that that's quite important to, to keep in mind. Um, so that's, that's a sector-wide approach to employer brand. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, so I sort of invite you to think about a few of these points just to finish up. Um, the workforce shortages are at all levels in our economy and the base of the pyramid. So we really need to be thinking about a plan that includes everybody and brings people up through, especially people who aren't represented in the sector. Like that's an untapped opportunity as far as I'm concerned. Um, as humans, our tendency is to talk to people that remind us of ourselves. So we need to consciously put ourselves in other people's shoes and remember that like, a lot of people don't know anything about the industry sector and they wouldn't even consider it. Um, so keeping that in mind. Um, and also I think the other question I guess is like the shared narratives in our society that are already here, like that we can align with. Um, you know, that, that those things I mentioned before, resilience, innovation, kaitiakitanga, handing on a better world. Um, how can you make sure that you're speaking in a language that people will, will wanna hear? So those are my thoughts for you. I hope there was something interesting in there for you. Kapai, thanks so much, Jeff. So I'm going to ask a, a couple of specific questions that I've prepared for today in my own mind. Um, but of course, panelists, if you've got a view, um, uh, jump in or build, build on your your colleagues. Um, but Jeff, don't go on mute. I'm I'm, I'm coming to you, my friend. Um, so Angela's painted a, a really good picture for us here around the decentralisation. So we're going from the big monolithic kind of structures of the big hydro dams and so forth in the North and South Islands to a much more local distributed energy supply for lots of uh, consumers in that way. So, you know, you've seen a lot of development and what's worked in the local and the regional areas. What would be some of the, the um, advice points or top tips that you'd give for us to consider as a sector to do that well? I, I think the thing to think about is where are the people going to come from? Which mm. which industries have transferable skills, um, and 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 who lives in that area? So a lot of a lot of places that you'll go, there won't be a workforce of, of ready people who are trained up. So thinking about and thinking in advance and having a strategic approach to saying how can we coordinate some engagement with schools, engagement with community, start telling the story. 
um, I think that's the secret. And we, we sort of think about an ecosystem approach. So we're working on this on the demand side, the labor demand, but how yeah. are we going to make sure that the supply is there? And how are we thinking really clearly about what that looks like? Mm, it's going to look very differently. And, and, and you talked about the importance of identity um, a couple of times, Jeff. And um, who's done this well? Are there other um, sectors that you can point to that we can learn from? Yeah, there are some sectors that have done this really well. One of the sectors I've worked with, which is a bit different, is the screen sector, so the movie industry. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of people that- Wait, so, sorry, are you uh, contrasting the movie industry to the energy sector? Look, we should, we should, that's recorded, right? Let's let's grab that. Yeah, um, so that's just one where there's a lot of um, misconceptions about what it's like to work there. And in mm. fact, the culture and the, and the nature of working in that sector actually actually works really well for different groups that are really underrepresented in that sector, Māori groups, Pasifika groups in, in, West, in Auckland. Um, and I, we've worked with them to help to develop a, a marketing campaign and um, uh, employment programs that approach those groups, help to tackle those misconceptions. And it is about identity. It's saying you can come and be part of this because there's people like you here and highlighting those people um, and letting them tell the stories. Great, thank you, Jeff. Thanks so much. Um, Kate, coming to you. Um, so you, you, you set the challenge. Um, so look, if we can, if I can paint the picture now, so um, I'll give you two scenarios, very similar. So one, you, you're in front of the, the designers of the energy market of the future. So sort of the, the, the grouping that I mentioned before in Wellington, um, or I'll be bringing you into the executive table um, room at Genesis Energy. So, you know, we're, we're still um, energy, uh, we still a thermal producer for, for the security of supply at the moment. And we have our long-term intentions to come out of uh, fossil fuel usage in our energy supply, um, in our fuel books. Um, but if I was to put you in front of them, so your challenge, um, back to you. So if we were to bring you in, like how do we engage, the, how do we engage your voice as, as a youth? How do we do that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess my tagline for my messaging today is don't be afraid to get young people involved now. I think the mm. answers already exist. There's just a, there's a fear about engaging young people because we lack experience or we're not the kind of traditional people you bring into leadership roles in the company. But I think often the way sectors go about youth engagement is very patronizing. And it, and it doesn't acknowledge the wealth of knowledge and experience that young people already do have just, just from existing in this world today. Um, previous generations aren't as informed or connected as my generation, but thanks to social media, you know, we're already very aware of what's mm. going on in the world. So if you're thinking about young people today and bringing young people today into your company, then it's not like bringing in young people 20 or 30 years ago. We're already prepared. We already know what's going on. We, all, we bring with us the solutions. I, I touched on a specific example in my introduction, but I think um, bringing young people into your boards, it's such a radical but effective idea because young mm. people should be part of the decision-making processes. I mean, that's what I stand for in Make It 16, and I'm all about bringing young people in our democracy. But I think that that sort of mindset and that logic can be applied in the energy sector too. I think you said that um, you have an issue with young people not wanting to go into the energy sector. You ranked ninth out of 11th. Mm. I think the solution there is to start engaging young people now. Young people work quite effectively on word of mouth. So if you can get young people in leadership positions now or young people into your companies now with attractive positions in a way that that's not patronizing, as I have said, 
then that that news will spread quickly that energy the energy sector is the sector for young people it's the sector that will engage young people you've got um, a job offer already kate it's just that. <laughs> amazing but i mean i guess as well something i brought up earlier would be issues like climate change so directly interlinked with the energy sector and i think you're coming up with all these super innovative solutions for um how to tackle this this elephant in the room for the energy sector and i think i i would turn to young people for those answers because young people are really passionate about climate change you know this mm. is our future far more than um, I, I know you'll be impacted by climate change as well, but my generation will be feeling the full impacts. Um, but also, I think I should acknowledge as well that I'm only one young person and, and there'll be different views. So I don't think the solution is to just bring in a couple of us. I have the privilege of being a voice for young people, but what my mahi is about is bringing in the voices of all young people and, mm. and it's not all aligned. So I think it's important that when you do bring in young people into your companies, you're bringing in young people from a variety of backgrounds. I think climate change, or sorry, rather climate action shouldn't come at the expense of ignoring other aspects of, of, an, of a company or business that's important. Um, climate action shouldn't come at the expense of hiking uh, up energy prices and making energy unaffordable. Climate action shouldn't come at the expense of human rights or, or costs of paying fair wages. And I think those issues often impact young people just as much as climate action. So it's important to think about all our experiences when engaging, engaging with us um, in your companies. But I suppose the main thing is just engage with us on equal terms. We don't have the same, we might not have the same education levels or the same work experience as you do but we have different ideas that are just as valuable. And so you should be treating young people like equals in your company and not like they're below you. Yeah, no, wonderful. Um, um, really well said, well articulated, Kate, because um, you're right, we can talk about climate change or climate action, um, but we have biodiversity challenges with the actions that we might be taking with climate, you know, more solar panels going up in our landscapes, uh, more pine trees being um, um, planted to take carbon um, out of the atmosphere. So we, we have these real trade-off um, challenging decisions that we're gonna need to make across the sector. I, I completely agree. So your advice is have the right mindset, don't be fearful, but be authentic in the way that you engage with young persons. So don't be patronized, be authentic. That's, that's fantastic. And I guess we sort of need to have the mindset to be open to listen. Um, and set the conditions for you to be welcome and come in. That's fantastic. Um, so Angela, so um, I'm coming to you. So, you know, you've got a lot of experience here and you're leading a lot of studies for us moving forward. So what's your advice to us? Like, what are some of the things, uh, be brutal, what are some of the things we just need to stop doing or not take forward from your experience? And you can't just say stop fossil fuels. That's an obvious one. No, I mean, and, and you can't because we would be in a very parlous situation yeah. and we would break yeah. down our, our supply chain for food. I mean, that's just yeah. basics. Um, yeah. But kind of, I think coming just to riff a bit on what Kate was talking about, about the authentically engaging with um, mm. youth. I think the, the, my personal experience from moving from a, from industry into consulting is that I'm now in a much more diverse team that's a lot younger. And I've gone from a, a, an average age of 55 
white male in my workplace, lovely people, but now I've I, I've got this really young team. And the great thing about that is that they haven't tried it before um, and they haven't heard no before. So they, they're actually got a tenacity and a way of approaching these problems, which is really fresh. And so the start, you know, what would you start doing? Mm. It's trying new approaches and not waiting for that perfect solution because the, the I mean, I'm an engineer by training, so I love to go and solve problems and I like to sit in a corner and come back to you with the perfect solution. But the situation we find ourselves in is that it's a complex problem. This is yeah. an interrelated problem where we have a lot of dependencies and a lot of those are pesky human beings who want to go and make decisions and live lives and things like that. And so we have to actually iterate and fail rather than go and sit with a towel on our head and, and come up with a solution and that's not the way that we set up at the moment so that first thing is like engage and and try new things mm. second one is look to fail look to try look to to accept that it's okay to have something that gets you halfway so if we look at the the fee bait that was introduced last year and you know we got loads of issues with oh but EVs aren't the answer because of the, the issues with lithium and because of this mm. and battery disposal and da 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 But you know what? It's a step mm. and it gets us a bit there. And if we take another step and we take another step, then that's so much better than sitting there and waiting for the perfect solution. So action and driving forward change, that's what I think we need to do. And then I think the other, the other thing coming back to what Jeff was talking about, about engaging and purpose in our work is um, leveraging that interest in, in, in work, leveraging that, the fact that people want to go to work for, for companies that have a purpose. And so if we can engage people in that purpose, then it, it creates meaning across and it creates drive for solutions throughout your entire workforce, which is a totally different paradigm from just having people, oh, what's your job? I stamp this piece of paper and I put it over here and with no clue as to what it means. But if I'm if I understand what it's about and I feel engaged in that process and understand that it's driving forward a more sustainable future for my community, um, then that's, that gives us uh, jobs that are going to be much more sustainable and they're also going to be, um, they're going to be uh, more enduring for the individuals because they won't get so worn out by being at things that they don't engage in. And I think with the transition we're going through, we we're going from mm. big to small and we're going from centralized to regionalized, we have these opportunities to put industries back into communities that might be disadvantaged. If you look at the opportunities in Te Tarawhiti and um, Te Taitokoro to really um, create perhaps, you know, looking at forestry, what can we do with forestry rates, what ways to create biomass opportunities? Mm. Uh, you know, and that's a huge really big sustainable um, sustainability story because that allows us to build the, the biomass value chain that we desperately need to convert away from coal. And that purpose is going to be great. So I think it's, it's about engaging authentically with people, not thinking you've got all the answers, but having dialogue and not coming with a perfect solution and thinking about how we can, we can use purpose for, to, um, to get everyone engaged in the solution. Yeah, fantastic. What I also heard, Angela, is you know when I asked the question about what we're going to, what do we need to stop, um, what I what I heard from you is actually more of what we need to start doing, and respect that what we have done has got us here to today, but what we've had 
the, maybe the skills, the mindsets and, and the capabilities that has got us today might not be what we need to take us the next leap forward. So it's about how do we shift and what do we what do we do differently moving forward? Um, that, that's what I heard from you, I guess. Yeah. I've, yeah, got a follow, I think... I've, got, I've got a follow-up question, sorry. So, okay, sorry. You're good. But no, I was just going to say, have we got time? Have we got time? Mm. Um, we, don't have, we don't have time to kowtow to people. We don't have time to sit there and go, um, sorry, I'm going to paraphrase your, your, your characterization of the, the scions of the electricity industry that you were talking about and say that you are the only people that have the answer. You know, those people who designed the market 20 years ago, they mm. have some of the answer. We need to respect mm. that experience, understand it yeah. and challenge it and take it forward. And we do have to respect the fact that there is certain knowledge that is experience based mm. and there is certain knowledge that you do need. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but when I go to a surgeon, I, I do like them to have a degree and I do like them to have um, you know, a good amount of experience before they cut me up. Um, but that's I, that should be the limit of it. That should be the test. It shouldn't be that they are the, the absolute authority on everything in my life. So respecting that knowledge and experience, but also having that person approach the other the the dialogue with an open mind that that you know they the other can can bring through through their lack of experience can often bring inquiry. That is really important because the when you when you come from a position when you come to a subject from a fresh position often you're asking the questions in a in a way that experts can't and that's what I love is when when I'm I'm sitting there and I'm I'm expounding about the energy system and then someone says well what about this and I'm like oh I've never thought about it that way mm. so that's so for powerful. me. Yeah, yep. so me as an expert, I need to, it's my responsibility is to respect that inquiry and engage with them in an honest way. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, we're, we're going to change things up a little bit. So our speakers get um, a wee five to 10 minute break and we're going to move into breakout um, rooms. So I think Erica's going to take us over, um, which means we're all going to get whisked into certain rooms. We're going to be time bound. Um, so no longer than 10 minutes and we've got two questions for you please so question number one is what you think the energy narrative could be uh, I'm sure this is going to pop up into the chat for you as well to help you and of course any questions for our panelists today so we'll still have a little bit of time once the breakout sessions close and we'll bring you back into the main room okay welcome back great to have everyone back um, we've got everyone back into the room um, so I'm going to open it up now. Um, I love it if a couple of people um, could share with us. So I want to hear back from you around what did you hear, discuss in your breakout rooms? And even better if you can back that up with a question for one of our panelists or myself um, today. I'll go first. Hi, <clears throat> can you hear me? I can hear you, but can you introduce yourself? Because I can't see Hi. you yet. There you go, oh, Jack. G'day. Hi. I'm Jack from Lightforce. I'm the Chief Operating Officer. We're a solar installation company that are playing a little bit in the generation space and the retail space. Um, so uh, me and my two colleagues, we took the uh, challenge away and we broke it down like this. I think we we're all compelled and inspired by the speakers today, particularly Kate, around having that uh, representation at a strategy level from the youth because they are going to be the generation the most impacted from our actions today. So 
we thought that there needs to be um, numerous iterations of the reset of the narrative. And what we think is really important today is the need that across the country, across the norm, to lift everyone's general awareness around energy. I came from the telco sector, private, um, uh, private sector, into solar through a friend, didn't understand the challenges that we have today around the energy. I'm super compelled we're an organization that um, has a very strong um, narrative around empowering. Um, a lighter, brighter future, lighter in terms of our actions um, on the environment, brighter those actions for the future and the community. So we feel that that's something that sits maybe two or three steps ahead. But today, how do we bring up the overall understanding, awareness across the country about what energy means for people today, the impact um, of that that uh, mix of fossil fuel generation versus renewables and what are the call to actions today? So our um, um, narrative is how do we, obviously the marketeers can go away and bring up what this needs to be. How do we bring overall comprehension and awareness up around energy today and the impact that has on today and the future? Understanding that's probably a three, five year um, um, piece. And then after that, how do we then address some of the things around the impact on the environment and the future. And quickly, my uh, question was to the panel, Water Angela's piece, how do we get more Angela's um, out there um, that don't necessarily come through a traditional education system, i.e. engineering, etc. So we have an academy where we're uh, looking at job seekers, they get pigeonholed um, into, you know, a certain level of understanding, they are so intelligent, but get marginalized because of their, 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 their personal journey. So how do we reduce those barriers and bring people like that up the, the education curve to be an Angela or Jeff or uh, yourself? Nick, here you go. Amazing. Thank you, Jack. I, I feel that there's a question in there. So how do we break down the barriers to bringing the talent in? Jeff, are you going to kick us off there? feels like this is your wheelhouse to get us started. Well, thanks, Jack. Um, quite a few questions in there, actually. Um, I, I probably only have one or two ideas, and then I'll pass over to somebody else. But I, I guess it's about uh, consciously engaging with those those different groups, and um, like the academy, but having structures that actually um, bring people in. Uh, you know, a lot of these we read a lot about companies saying that they don't necessarily need people to have degrees, but actually, what is it instead? Because people need something that they can climb up. How do we actually create these structures that pull people through? Um, that's my question answer. Yeah, if I can just jump in, I think one of the things I don't think you need more of me because like that would be awful. But um, what you do, what we do need is to look at the individual. And you know, I'm I'm really lucky. I came through a good school. I went to engineering school, and I've got an MBA. And I was really receptive to um, traditional education. And um, yes, it, my gender has not been. Uh, the best aid to my advancement um, but I've had support mechanisms and I've had enough resources to get through it and I've been able to keep going and I yeah I've got two kids and I've got a husband who who support me other people don't have that um, so what you know I, I I think it is about looking at that individual and getting sponsorship pathways for those individuals because I see I'm interacting with this woman, a couple of really amazing women through a network I run, Manawahini for Women in Energy, who came through non-traditional pathways. And they're brilliant. And I 
um, you know, they, they don't have degrees, but someone has just sponsored them and seen their brilliance. And they have, um, there's been leeway in the organization for them to be fostered. And that's that creating those opportunities is where I think we can really do that and giving people um, permission to, giving people permission to, to see beyond the name and the, and the qualification to the person and the skills that they've got. And I think also with the, the change in skills and the, the way that we're moving from it being a cut and dried engineering problem or a cut and dried HR problem or cut and dried H, um, telco problem even, that all these things are intermeshing and the, putting the customer at the center, it means that the traditional skills and, and my skill sets, they're necessary in some places, but they're less, they're, they need to be augmented and sort of supercharged by people who can think across these disciplines. And that's where those non-traditional um, people coming from non-traditional pathways can be really important. And probably it'd be good to think, I mean, Nick, you've probably thought about this with your organization about how, how do you identify superstars in your call center and lift them up when they haven't come through you know, the, the degree pathway? Yeah, I, I think the call out for action here is that we need to grow the market of talent. So we've got a very limited um, talent group for the energy sector. And within that, they're very quite narrow in terms of uh, the way that they show up. So, so we've got to find new ways to connect with talent we haven't even thought about yet and reach out to them. And, and Jack, I think it's going to be a generational thing because I think if we can empower consumers to get really engaged with their energy, then they start to be more curious and they kind of go, oh, well, actually, this might be a really cool industry to go in and change you know and care about so i think an energy uh, a generational shift will come over time but in the media say we've got to find really innovative ways and creative ways to to just find talent i mean we were just blown away by the amount of talent out there that falls into retail because we just don't even know about us but they 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 want to get onto big kit they want to drive trucks they want to get into um cool stuff that we can offer across our, our whole 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 board but we, we just don't know who they are um and then the other thing is you know just breaking down the the barriers around not just thinking as jobs as traditional jobs you know one person can do more than three or four jobs in the future I'm pretty sure of that so so really focusing on on the right mindsets and skills that people have and not kind of shoot pigeonholing them into a single role so real paradigm shifts I think are, are needed for us to really be successful with our narrative moving forward so um, um, that's my take on things and, and we're certainly looking to drive and looking for partners through facilitate through the energy academy to, to really find ways to, to cut through that um, coming out with a degree um, today doesn't necessarily mean that you're experienced or even right to join the energy sector and might be somebody far more suitable and they're sort of um, Kate's age and ready to come in and, and, and help build a future um, already they don't necessarily have to come fully groomed and competent in a certain area so anyway my goodness um, poof the time has gone we've literally got a couple of minutes and we're coming up to the five hours but geez I feel like we've only just got started um, and look I never felt that today's panel was about coming to the end it was more sort of it was always going to create more questions than answers for us but that's what we actually wanted to achieve here today um, and so I have the last 90 seconds here to first of all thank everybody for um, coming today we put you to work and hopefully through the conversations and you're kind of listening into the panel that you can take something away for yourself that you've learned, that you can create a spark of change, talk with the Energy Academy around what 
what could be possible for the future of the energy sector, that would be amazing. Um, a special thanks to the Academy, Energy Academy again um, for letting us know. We've got ideas um, to be called out here uh, the email that's just come through to the chat. Thank you so much, Briar. Um, and a special th uh, thanks to my panel today. So Kate, um, you were straight out from school hours today. Really appreciate you and thanks so much for coming today. Um, Angela, you and I are gonna be so great that we've been working in this sector together. We've never fully connected. So, hey, that's just a win even just for us today. Um, I think you're amazing. Thanks so much. Um, lovely to have met you. And Jeff, you do such good work for us. Um, uh, we think there's a real opportunity having people like you helping us knowing where it's worked well before and helping the sector. So, so thank you so much for being here today and for your time. Um, that's us. We'll, we'll close it as a wrap. Do I need to hand back to anybody? Or I have the power to say kapai and kakite. You have the power, Nick, but I just want to say first, thank you to you for facilitating such an awesome panel. Um, yeah, you've all my been pleasure. and I'm sure that everyone is going away with a, a lot of thoughts. So, Namihinui. Thank you.